Hello and welcome to Lady Time, a podcast for those of us navigating midlife. I'm your host today, Jill McGregor, and my guest is Anthony Callanan. Born in 1968 in London, Anthony was raised in the vibrant Irish community of Brixton. His father, Sean, was from East Galway and his mother is from Valencia Island in Kerry, that's in Ireland. He landed in Galway in 1994, where he met his wife, Evan, which was followed by the birth of their daughter, Saoirse. Anthony is the owner of the popular vegan bakery and delicatessen, Vegano Deli, located in Newcastle, Galway, here in the west of Ireland. You're very welcome, Anthony. Thanks so much for coming Great on. Hi, Joe. <laughs> yeah, you're another one of the guys we lassoed to come on to our podcast, <laughs> so I'm delighted. And we've already had a great chat. Yeah, so yeah. We'll keep that going in any yeah, way. Yeah, for definite, yeah. Now, you're one of those rare males who does not like sports, so even is a very lucky wife in that respect. <laughs> I always managed to have a partner who wasn't into sport, more or less. Yeah. So what were you into instead as a teenager? Was it music um, or something like that? I was, yeah, I, I was I was really into music. Like, I suppose the way everyone is at that age, you know, I, I had a, an older brother that was really into the kind of punk scene. Um, I was more into the kind of origins of dance music. I, I always liked really kind of dancing music. Um, but my older brother gave me an appreciation of that kind of like, uh the sort of counterculture music like you know um sex pistols sham 69 people like that like you know um and i was really into cooking all the time like from a really crazy young age like you know um there was an old woman when we lived in the flats in brixton there was an old woman who lived below us and her name was doll and she was born in 1901 and she was like my best friend when i was a kid she was so cool. She came from this really kind of gentrified family and um, I just loved her. She it was a real, it was a real refuge her flat for me, like, you know, and um, she used to really encourage me to cook, you know, she'd say, uh, oh, Anthony, make me an egg, you know, like, and, and I would only be like six or seven, you know, like, and I was always, she gave me that kind of space to like really, I don't know, kind of mess around with food and don't worry if it gets burnt or if it tastes terrible or whatever, like, um, so yeah, from that, then I went on to, uh, yeah, as we were saying earlier on, like we were chatting, I was just always into, really into like reading cookbooks and, um, trying out new things and, you know, uh, and I liked another thing I really liked when I got to about the age of about 12 or 13 was politics. You know, I loved, had a couple of really good friends that were really into like discussing, you know, kind of the history of politics and current politics. And we would spend hours, there was a little place we used to meet up. It was a little kind of um, Victorian garden in Coulston. And we, we the, the three of us used to come together like from different places and we'd meet there in the evenings and we would just like smoke fags and just literally talk about politics all night, you know, like, and it was, it was, was some of my best times, you know, like, um, and yeah, then I, I suppose that's, oh, I, I was really into, I, I'm not into sports now, but I was, um, I was a really keen swimmer, like from when I was really young, I was a competitive swimmer, like, um, 
and I ended up I got up to like county level you know like representing the county and um but then when I got to like 15 they were saying oh you know if you want to go into the like if you if you if you want to apply for the national team you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get up at like five in the morning and you're gonna have to train and you can only eat this and there can be no girlfriends no smoking and I was like I'll stop you there <laughs> I said I'm out of here <laughs> that was it that was the end of it no, uh, yeah. fifteen-year-old boy. I yeah, mean, no, I didn't. I mean, I really leaders. loved it, and I, I definitely, I, 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 for sure, had a talent for it. Like, but and I took it really seriously. I did train like really hard, but um, no, I wanted, to, I wanted to have a bit of a, a bit of fun. I, I mean, I never, even at that age, I, I, I thought, well, I could see I don't really had a progression in my own kind of swimming life at that point. You know, going from like young to. Um, doing different swim meets and then the, the county stuff, pardon me. But um, I could see that the progressions that you had were so short lived, you know, like you would, you would, you, you know, like you train, 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 train. Then you, then you do like two races in a national thing and you might win and that's great. Then the next thing is like doing something like the Olympics or the European championships. But it's the same thing. It's like train, 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 train. Then you're defined by like three races in that one. And it just didn't seem enough. Like I, I, I thought it can't, it can't. And I didn't want to be a swimming coach or anything like that. Like I, you know, I just, it just didn't seem like the, the payback was, um, or the sacrifices you had to make were, uh, were, were really worth it. Like I, I, don't, I don't want to be um, demean anyone who's in, into sports because, like I said, I really enjoyed it when I was doing it. But for me, I just wanted to do something more than that. Like you know. But, you know, Anthony, as you say that, it's uh, it's to me, I'm just thinking because I know that you are, uh, you know, you're good in business. Mm. And uh, it was almost like even at that young age, a business way of thinking of things, uh, you know, what are the returns for this? Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I never just, thought of it like that. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. Um, so it was interesting at that young age, you were already sizing things up and measuring them. Well, you know, is it worth the input of this? Uh, yeah, and, yeah. No, not really. Oh, next, I'll move to the next thing, you know? Yeah, because it's really absorbing. You know, I mean, I, like I used to go, I mean, I, I was I was still getting up really early to train in the morning, as it was, like, sometimes in a, like, a freezing cold Lido in Brixton, like, you know, and, but it just didn't seem... I, I didn't want that to be my life. And I could see that that was basically what the coaches were talking about was mapping out like the next 10 to 15 years of your life. And um, and it literally all had to be centered around swimming. There was like no, there was no room for anything else. And and I didn't want that, you know, I, I started like going out with girls and, you know, drinking a little bit and having a bit of crack. And and I loved that, like, you know, and I just thought I can't, I can't, I can't knock that on the head. and. I didn't want to feel isolated and I, I thought that's what it would do to me because the thing with swimming is it's a very solitary thing you know you're a part of a team but it's a uh, you know I don't like if you're if you're if you're uh doing a race on your own you're doing a race on your own like it's not you know you might have you might be part of a squad that's there but it's just you in the water you're not like passing the ball to someone or you know whacking a, a tennis ball across the court you know it 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 it, it, it was very I started finding it very kind of solitary and um, and yeah, I just didn't want that. I just didn't want that to be my life, you know, like, so I, I, uh, 
and it's quite pressured as well you know like the, the training was super hard at county level it was and I mean I was really fit then like um but it was it was really really hard like I, I, don't, I don't think people really understand what what those um athletes have to go through to get to that that level of um of performance like you know and um like I said I just wanted I, I knew that life was more than that like you know so yeah yeah it's something you actually really have to probably really want to do have that level of ambition for that if you really want to get to you know world champion or whatever top literally top of the Mm. league or whatever um, for for that and it is physically demanding on the body even at a a young age oh yeah for Um, sure yeah well, I, did, I actually didn't know you had been a champion swimmer. So there you go. That's something yeah. new I've learned about you. <laughs> yeah. So you've had a very, very uh, colourful life and a coloured, col- you know, very checkered and colourful career. Yeah. And we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, so what, what I'll just start off with is what we usually do is just find out how you've been uh finding midlife you said earlier you were to me you were just you're only 53 yeah Um, yeah how how have you found it or do what's it like for you because i really find that men approach midlife completely differently to women well i i think i've said it to you before that um i don't like I've never been into like kind of like milestones in my life you know like that thing of turning 18 or 21 or you can't do this until you're that age or, you know, I, I, that, 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 that's, that hasn't been a part of my life at all. And um, I think one of the things I found when I got like older was, especially in my like mid forties, I kind of went, oh my God, like I'm, you know, like 45 or 46 or 47, whatever age it was. And I thought like, what age am I in my head, you know? And it was like 23 or something. Like, you know, I just felt like I was still, even though I, I realized I was conscious I changed as a person, but in my head, I was still a kind of young person. I don't mean I was like trying to act young or anything, but, um, and I found my thought, I found my, I, I, I literally have no dread of getting older. Like I never have done because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having a really interesting life and I have, I have had like, you know, so um, I'm not like, you know, I don't know, it's, it's, it's quite hard to explain. I think um, when I got into my 40s, I realised that... Um, oh, I've lost my thread there now. Hold on. Oh, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 hold on. Uh, oh, no, that, that was it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I felt like I was still, like, in my 20s in my head. But I, I had this, uh, I really enjoyed my 40s. I, 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 I got this confidence that, um, that I'd, I'd never had before, you know. And I, I think for me, getting older was just shedding a lot of my insecurities about myself, you know. And it still continues to happen. And when I got into my 50s, uh, it was even better. Like, you know, I, I'm just really happy with myself and my life and the people that I know and the people I interact with. And I, I feel it's just getting better all the time. And I think, th- I, I really feel that's gonna be the tra- tra- trajectory moving forward. Like, you know, I don't think life is, an, is a linear thing. Like, I think it's just, you know, you have to kind of uh, 
well, I, I'm expecting things to just keep going the way they have been and and getting better. I mean, well, the, obviously, like I physically, I, I noticed when I got into my 50s that I was just like doing that thing of, you know, like when you sit down, you go, oh, you know, like the, the you know, the, the noises and the like waking up in the morning is a little bit longer to get out of bed. I used to like really jump out of bed and fly up and down the stairs and everything. But, but you know, that's cool. Like, you know, I... I'm not really that bothered about that, like, but yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, definitely the forties and particularly the fifties is, uh, it's almost like there's, you start getting a bit of wisdom about life or something. Everything before that is kind of frenetic, reactive, uh, reflexive, you know, like, but then there's something about when I got to into my forties, I kind of like, I, I was a bit more kind of discerning about, you know, opportunities I took, the people that I knew, that type of thing. And I, I really love, I really love that. It was very unexpected actually, because it was, you know, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't the way I'd lived my life up until that point, you know, and, um, and yeah, no, I'm, 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 I suppose the, 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 the real thing to say about it is I'm just really enjoying it, you know, and I'm not, not in any way kind of um, bleak or despondent about, getting older still like you know I, I'm, I'm really actually looking forward to it like you know and uh, you know anyone listening on audio can't see your face but uh, mm. you, you you've got uh, you've got a contentment in your face and in your eyes Thanks. so yeah, yeah. it is really lovely it's really lovely to hear you say that you know things are actually getting better and yeah uh, because it isn't the case for everyone you you know some people have regrets but you know there was something else that you said um and i've heard lots of other people say it including myself mm. um that you uh, you didn't you said it to me earlier that you're more accepting of yourself now and happy with that yeah it's a question that i i I've never even asked myself or asked anyone else is, you know, what had changed? What had you not accepted about yourself before, for example, that you now accept about yourself and, and what caused you to start yeah. accepting yourself? I couldn't say, I couldn't say the cause, but I think what it was, was, was that um, I, I didn't change as a person or anything. It's just that um, I started to understand that, you know, I was a decent person. I was, you know, good fun to be around or whatever, like, you know, um, I, I'm not sure why it happened really. I, I, I don't know if it was, um, you know, being married, having a child, um, I, I really don't know what what really caused it, but it was so lovely to to uh, to feel it. You know, I mean, I like when I think about myself when I was like eighteen or nineteen. You know, um, and to the way I am now, even though I'm the same person, exactly the same person, really. Like in many ways, um, I I still felt like um, when, when I was when I was younger that. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's almost like imposter syndrome. It's like you're an imposter in your own life or something. You know, um, that you're always waiting for someone to go, ah, you know, you're like, but it never happens because of course it doesn't happen. Like, you know, and 
and I think that was really, like I said, that was a really great thing about getting into my 40s was just, I was just like, oh, this is cool. You know, like it's, it is cool. It always has been cool. It's just your frame of mind was, uh, you were seeing it through a different lens. Like, you know, that's, uh, I, th- I, th- I think that's where I put it. Like, you know, the um, age gives you a different uh, lens to look at it through. Like, and um, yeah, and like, I know I keep saying it, but it was really unexpected, but I, I loved it. Like, you know, I never thought I'd feel like this actually in my life, you know. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, we often hear the imposter syndrome. And in a way, I think it was a great, not that I like syndromes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, at all, but I, I thought it was a, a great, um, let's say a phrase that was coined because I related to it the minute I heard it, I completely mm. related to it. And and when I was listening to you, to you just um, answer that, I was thinking about how it was like almost like a shedding process that you shed things that you thought about yourself, like, oh, you were an imposter or you weren't real, or if only people knew the real me that's inside. And like, uh, you know, it took me a long time to realize, and even now sometimes, um, that when you're whatever been a bad bitch or uh, not very nice so that's just part of the human condition like there are times when you're not very nice um you don't feel good or you don't like yourself and other times when you do like yourself and when you're divinely lovely and uh and that all of those elements are or aspects should i say are part of just uh, the human character that makes us us up and there's a tendency to like um what would you say um demonize the side that yeah. you don't like about yourself and uh so maybe it's a shedding of that it's okay yeah i know sometimes i'm i'm a bit of a shithead and other times oh, yeah, yeah. i'm you know the best in the world or something well it's just it's like it's part of the i think another thing i, I found when i got into my 40s was that um that, like I said, you know, no one's life is a kind of linear line, you know, linear uh, proposition. It's like ups and downs. And um, what I realized was, was that even like horrible things that happen to you, good things that happen to you, positive experiences, negative experiences, they all, they're all part of who, they're the fabric of who you are, you know, like, and I did really notice that when I got, got into my forties, that it's, um, you know that the person I am now is just I'm 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 basically a set of accrued experiences, like you know, and that they they vary in shapes and forms. But and it it, it stopped me um, kind of focusing on negative things from when I was younger. You know, like um, instead of like looking at them in a vacuum, I looked at them as part of the kind of tapestry of my life. You know, and I said, well. It, that that is a thing that happened or that is a thing that happened but it's part you know it's brought, literally brought you to this point you know and like and that that genuinely that is what happened to me in my 40s and it was great because it like you said it's interesting what you said there Jill about just shedding stuff like you know I, I just I let go of it all I just said fuck it like it's not there's no point like you could and, and what I do I just refuse to look at anything in a vacuum now I have to it has to have some context have to be able to key into something like you know and um and when you do that then you just realize that it i know it sounds a bit cliche or a bit whatever but it is a journey like you know and 
um, it's not always going to be bright skies and sunny, but it's uh, it's still all, all part of the same journey. Like you know, and I I'm really grateful for that. Like I really, I, and I, I had a thing that I, I like. I, I love writing, and um, I have done since I was really small. And um, I we were we were getting some work done in the house there a few weeks ago, up in the loft, and uh, I had all this like boxes and boxes and boxes of writing from when I was like, you know, like from when I was really young, right up until, you know, um, I don't know, like 20 odd years ago. And I, I've been, I've been lumping this stuff around all the places I lived, anywhere I've gone, you know, that is it's come with me. And I, I did a thing the other day and I just literally just shredded all of it. Like, you know, all of it, every single bit of it. And it was really liberating. I wouldn't have done that like 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Um, and it was, it, was, it was just really liberating to do it. Like, you know, and that's, that's the kind of thing that I'm, I'm experiencing now in my 50s, you know, that I don't, you know, I didn't, I didn't need to keep, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like lumping that around or having it up in the loft, like bearing down on me and my, you know, life and, and I, what I found was, was that anytime I looked at it, it just made me feel kind of sad, you know, like, you know, like, and I, I thought, well, what's the point of keeping something that, you know, makes you sad? Like, so, uh, and I don't mean it was like really, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It just, it was really good. It was really, really cathartic getting rid of it. Like, you know. It was journals up until you were in your thirties then. Was yeah, it? up until, yeah, right up until about like, yeah, about maybe like 27, 28. And, um, you know, like it was just a, it was a mix of everything, like bad poetry, journals, uh, you know, bits of film scripts, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, just um, short stories. Uh, and I, did, I mean, I'd like being really honest, I didn't get rid of all of it. Like there was a, like, I kept like a, two short stories that I really- Just thinking, oh my God, did you burn your short stories? No, no, I lied. No, I, I kept, I, I, there was one, no, there's a couple that I said, oh, that's, I really, I really love that story. Like, you know, and, um, but no, it was, uh, and I, you know, I still write, like I'm, I, you know, I'm still writing all the time, like, but, um, it was good to get rid of that stuff. And I, I'm not really sure why it was so good, but it felt good. And I'm sure it, the reasons will reveal themselves in the coming years, like, you know, but um, yeah. It's sort nice. of like a clearing of your psyche, I think. I did yeah. something quite similar about back in 2004 or 2005. And I looked over my journals. I kept a journal since it was about 15, I think. And I looked and I read over the, from the age of 20 to 40. And yeah. I just thought, oh, for God's sake, have I learned anything? It was the same old thing that was kept coming up over and over again. And uh, so I took it and a friend encouraged me to, yeah, we'll get rid of it. So I went out to Barna. For yeah. our listeners that aren't from Galway, Barna is just out by the sea, the sea, right? And <laughs> I had a bonfire that lasted for about an hour with the journals and I felt so good. Oh. Now, for a few years, I didn't regret it. And then I yeah. did start to regret it later. Oh, no. but, but you know what? That I realized later again, that's inside me. That was, that was stuff I wrote 
Mm. will always sort of you know it was a part of me but some yeah yeah it would have been nice to read back over again but uh you know having said that it was very like you said cathartic to do it at the time yeah 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 um i it just it it was i was fed up with myself i had just a relationship was over that i was very upset about yeah it was like it was more to do with that you know because i could see this pattern over 20 years and i thought oh right yeah 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 have yeah. I learned nothing 20 years? Yeah. I'm getting rid of this. Maybe it'll clean my psyche out of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose it did, you know. It really that's did. Great. But, it, you know, just doesn't happen overnight. But, yeah, no, that that's interesting. I, mean, I am glad to hear that you kept a couple of your short stories. And I hope yeah. I might be privileged to read them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, yeah, yeah. If you want to share them, that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you have any physical changes, Um because like women's changes are so obvious for us yeah yeah menstrual cycle stops and you know all sorts of stuff there's hardly Um, gray hair in your head you were saying earlier oh yeah i do but look hardly any i'm I'm really lucky in a sense that uh my um both my parents like my father passed away a couple of years ago but um he was he lived till he was like 83 and he had pretty much a full head of hair um and I, I i'm just i've got really blessed genes like but but both my dad looked like really well when he died there's hardly a line on his face and my mum's the same you know she's uh she's she's uh 78 i think oh god i, I can't get that wrong now she'll kill me uh, i think she's 77 78 and um she uh she i mean she looks amazing like you know she just really um, invigorated and full of energy and um i think uh like i said i think i I said it to you there a few moments ago was um i've noticed that uh like um i think one of the one of the strangest things i've noticed is it's really gets harder to lose weight when you're older which is a real because i used to have this thing where i go like my weight always not, not i don't mean i like balloon or anything but like i can go up and down by a stone in like a month you know like and I, I remember before like even up until like my early 40s if I wanted to lose weight I just would go on a bit of a cleanse thing for two weeks I'd lose a stone and it would be great like you know those days are well gone man like you know like I, I, I know now that if I wanted to lose a stone I'd have to do some serious shit to, to get rid of it like you know like I, I really would like you know and uh, it's like it's stuck you know and I'm and I work in a freaking bakery, like, you know, and it's, it's, it's like really, I, I have to work so hard to resist not like eating everything that's there because it's just stuff that, you know, we've created that we, that's in our minds, like, you know, so you like, I, I was saying to some, one of my customers there recently, I said, the worst thing about this place is I'm surrounded by all the food that I absolutely love, like, Everything that I everything I make is stuff that I just love, like you know, and um, and it's it's really difficult, like you know. But I'm, I'm I'm I am pretty disciplined at work. Like I don't, you know, I I I I mean I do obviously you know taste stuff to try it, like when such we make new recipes and um, but yeah, no, I don't I don't um, I leave that to the customers, you know, to to kind of walk through it. But but yeah, and I think I I think I'm saying to you before we started, like you know that a bit slower getting out of bed in the morning uh you know a bit of stiffness a bit of you know like um not as agile as i used to be but 
but I'm cool with all that. Like, you know, it's, it's, uh, and like literally now I'm kind of going, what can I do to mitigate that? Like, you know, so I'm, I'm thinking of like, I've, I'm really into like acupuncture, craniosacral therapy, all that kind of stuff. Like, so um, I, I started going back. I, it was really, I think one of the reasons why I got so achy over the last year was I couldn't go to the acupuncturist, like, you know, so I used to go like once every couple of weeks. And um, I like, I've, I've, I'm back now. I've had like a couple of sessions in the last couple of weeks. I'm back today again on Monday. And she's amazing. Like, you know, she's a, just like a real kind of healer, like, you know, and um, so, yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm already thinking like, I, I must do something to mitigate this, you know, get back into swimming a little bit, um, maybe do some cycling, whatever, you know, but I can't, I can't just rely on that. You know, I have to actually be proactive in keeping myself limber now, like, whereas it was kind of a given before, like, you know, but um, so yeah, they're, they're, the, they're the main things. Um, trying to think if there's any other sort of substantial difference. I'm a little bit quieter now than I was when I was younger. Um, I'm more of a listener now than a talker, I would say. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite glad about that, actually, because when you, when you listen a little bit more, you, you learn more, like, you know, so... Um, that's been that's been quite good, like you know, um, but yeah, they're, they're the main things, like yeah. But but overall, not you know, like I said, I I still feel like kind of pretty much the same person, but just uh, a little bit slower, like. You know. you know, I think you are are maybe our fourth or our fifth man that we mm. have interviewed. And all of you, from off the top of my head, from what I can remember, you've all actually enjoyed getting to midlife. Right. Yeah, most of you have. Most people that we have interviewed have. But nearly all the men, there's just a different, you have a different way of approaching it. I suppose maybe for women, we're often concerned about our figure, not that men aren't, but, yeah. we're, but we are more concerned about our looks and our figures going. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. We've got all these things that we do, like dyeing, we can dye our hair. Well, men can mm. do that too, but they tend yeah, yeah. to. And we can like put makeup on and men can put makeup on. Yeah. And, uh, well, they can. You can if you want. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't put me <laughs> in the box still. You probably get funny looks, but uh, you know. Uh, but but that's the thing. But the weight thing is harder, and and I know I'm pretty much the same size, but I definitely have a little belly, and I cannot get rid of it. And yeah, yeah, really, really hard. But you know, and I'm gonna post it, and I don't want to take long on this because I want yeah. to be talking to you. But I just want to say to you that I'm gonna post two links in the Lady Time Facebook page um, because in the last couple of weeks I have come across two things that one of them I haven't tried yet but I it's supposed to be really good it's a, a way when you eat as opposed to what you eat and uh, it's an Indian sci- uh, researcher scientist I can't remember his name off the top mm. of my head I think it's Sachin or something like that yeah um, but he he has done a, a, a quite a, a research project into the, when you eat so that you eat between an eight and a 10 hour period. 
and uh, only and the same and you keep to that but you obviously don't eat two hours before you go to bed so if you have your first meal say at eight in the morning then you won't eat past six in the evening but even if you you were someone who went to bed at three in the morning that you had your first meal at one in the day let's say well then you wouldn't eat your last thing or even drink i think even tea and stuff after whatever 11 o'clock at night as yeah, long as yeah. you're going to bed two hours later at a yeah, minute yeah. so uh, i'm going to post that link and then the other thing you were talking about not bouncing down the stairs i've tried this for 10 days now and it's nasal breathing and i've been taping my mouth at night so you tape because i we're losing oxygen if we breathe through our mouths and yeah, we yeah. don't get an oxygen. We take in maybe a big breath through our mouth, but that oxygen is not getting to all of the places it should get to. In fact, it's going into wasted space, dead space, they say. Right. So if you breathe only through your nose, except obviously when you're talking, you, you yeah. have to open your mouth. And then at nighttime, you make sure that your mouth is closed. If you snore, yeah. then your mouth is open. Um, that uh, that will increase the oxygen getting into your tissues as opposed to just the lungs you know what I mean so I'm gonna I won't go into it anymore here what I'm going to do is post those links on our lady time Facebook page and I can send them to you on your email yeah no I'd love that yeah um it was very interesting and I've been trying the mouth the nasal breathing and taping my mouth at night you have to go about it right obviously and I cannot believe how much energy I'm waking up in the morning not tired so uh it's worth looking into that well it's funny um I'm very interested in general I'll taste, yeah i'll taste something real quick i i i do have uh, I've, I've always had the thing about with snoring mm-hmm. and uh i've tried different things over the years but one of the things that i got that was uh really good it's a and it this might be rather than taping your mouth it's a thing that it's a strap that goes up around around your head and what it does is it pulls your chin yeah. forward so that you're, and it keeps your, your mouth sort of closed and like, so it forces you to breathe through your nose. And I can't even remember, I've got it on, you, you, you find it, if you put in like a snoring strap or something, it would come up online. But, um, but well, they, they really work. Because I'd really rather not be sticking tape on my mouth and having to peel it off in the morning. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do the same for you. I'll find a link for that. Actually, I was thinking about getting another one of them recently because my dog ate my last one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just like story of my life, man. Like, you know, glasses, fucking snoring things. Like, you know, so I, I, I do want to get another one of them because I did sleep really well when I had it. And it, it would be the same thing. Mm-hmm. It, 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 apparently, it, it, put, it, it pulls your lower jaw forward, mm-hmm. which, may, which allows you to keep your mouth closed. And then you, you're breathing through your nose, like, you know. Well, we're very lucky that, because uh, you only live down the road from me, oh. uh, we live very close to the, one of the world experts on nasal breathing out the road. Um, really? His name is Patrick McKeown. So uh, he literally just lives a few miles away from I us. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Have so, you been to him? 
No, I haven't. I've literally only found out about him last week. It was a, a friend of mine that mentioned the, the the mouth, the taping of the mouth at night, and I'd heard about yeah. it before. I thought, oh, I'm going to try that. Yeah. And I swear to God, it's literally, actually, it was this day last week I went for a walk with her, and she told me about it, and I've been doing it ever since. You oh, know? God. And it really has made it has really made a difference. And uh, and even my brain is working better as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's uh, just that's from getting oxygen to the right place and not losing yeah. it during the night. So, uh, and these are things that happen as well. I don't <clears> know if I snore, but I think I may occasionally snore. But I grind my teeth, and I know I know by my mouth in the morning what I've done in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And uh, I certainly know I must have had my mouth open because I am not as tired as I was. Yeah, I used to live with a girl that grinds her teeth actually in her sleep, and um, I've never heard myself, but I've heard <sighs> others, and it's a horrible noise. Oh my god, it's so loud! Like, and yeah. it's um, it's, it's a very uh, huge noise as well. It, yeah, it's it's like um, <laughs> it's just it's just like yeah, it it it, it really uh, because she used to wear um. Uh, you know, like a night thing in guard. and out. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah, to wear a night guard. And if she, like sometimes, you know, if we were out, if we came home after a few drinks, whatever, she just forget to put mm -hmm. it in. And um, and then next thing, I'd wake up and I'd be like, what's that noise? You know, it'd be like someone trying to break in the house or something. And it was her grinding her teeth. It was just, and, I, and she had the best teeth. Like you've got great teeth as well. Like I don't, you know, like it's it's <laughs> it's strange. You know, you think that they, it sounded like the teeth were just going to fall out of their head. Like you know, it's mad. Yeah. It does depend on how, I mean, you might, mightn't see it, but you can see where it's gone up a little bit on my mouth, but I had to start wearing the, the night yeah. guard a, a few years ago um, because I, it's a, my back, some of my back teeth, the way I'm doing yeah. it, they are actually flattened, when you, whereas your teeth shouldn't be flat. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flat teeth is a very bad thing, Jill. You you are you should be wearing it. He gave me that night guard, a night guard, seventeen or eighteen years ago. But I only started properly full time yeah, yeah. wearing it six or six five or six years ago. So, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so I actually don't. Anyway, my teeth are still okay, but some of them are quite ground down. And if I need yeah, any yeah. more fillings, it's got to the stage where you if you don't you know fit any more fillings. Uh, will actually, it'll be too deep. It'll have to go to a crown or something like that. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. But in any case, we, we're we not that interested in my teeth. My teeth yeah. definitely, <laughs> I'm pretty interested. Yeah, yeah. definitely wanted people yeah. and yourself to know about... Uh, the, that's that's the great. And yeah, do send me the link for that. And I'll, I'll, I will yeah. send you the link for the other thing. Like, so a, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're really good. Like, you know. it, it, It's definitely worth looking into, you know, anything that gives you more energy as we yeah. get to our midlife, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, well, look... We've covered midlife for you. It's yeah. it's great so far. Know, and it's yeah, lovely yeah, to yeah, hear yeah. that. It's absolutely yeah. lovely to hear it. You know, yeah. because life is, you know, okay, we always have to deal with the ups and downs and the challenges of life. Um, but if you're getting stronger and better and, you know, more full and more wise, well, then yeah. obviously... Um, uh, that's that's kind of what we want in our lives. We just want yeah, to, yeah. to be more full as we get older. 
Um, now, you have had a very interesting working life since you were 15, yeah. even, well, you know, starting out as, 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 as a swimmer. Um, yeah. But, and you, you loved cooking right from the get-go. You were yeah. loving cooking from the age of five or six from your, your yeah. lovely friend. And by the way, I, I wanted to say, it's amazing that children have a much older friend in life you know, I think it's just amazing. It's like a granny, like you had another granny when you were five or six. Yeah, although and she was, uh, yeah, as a friend. I think that's amazing. No, she was, um, she was like literally, uh, I am 53 now, and she was one of the coolest people that I've ever known in my life. Like, she was, uh, you know, she was a, a, a really, really smart, uh, uh, woman who was from a generation of women where it wasn't encouraged for women to be smart, if you know what I mean. You know, she was, uh, and she came from that kind of class of people where, uh, you know, a woman had her place and that was it. And um, and she just, she just, she was really important for me to know because she, she kind of rallied against that. And, um, and she was a real free thinker. And like, she was, she was, when I was hanging out with her, she was like, in her seventies, like I was, and I was very young, like I was, I was small, you know, like, and um, I used to go down to her nearly every day. I'd come home from school, straight down to her, say hello and hang out with her. And, and I, 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 I don't want to overstate it, but I can't imagine what kind of person I'd be now if I hadn't had that when I was young, mm -hmm. you know, like she was that important to me, like, you know, and, um and I really was when we moved away from those flats um when I was about 11 or 12 and we moved about 12 miles further south you know 12 30 miles further south um it, that was the that was the real sad thing for me it wasn't I mean I was sad to leave Brixton because I loved it like but I was just really sad to, to not have her company like you know and I even ran away from home uh Actually, no, we moved out when I was like 10, I think, or 11. And I moved, uh, we'd only been out there a few months and I couldn't stand it. And one night I just ran away from home and I jumped on a bus, a couple of buses and got down to her. And I was so happy to see her. And she, and what happened was they knew right, they, they must've known where I was gonna go. And they got, they rang one of the, the old neighbors across the road, you know, there was like four blocks of flats. And um, she came over and I went, and I heard the door knock and I went, she had this big Victorian bed in her bedroom. And I went and I ran and I hid under the bed. And I said, Doll, don't tell anyone I'm here, you know, like, and she answered the door and um, it was Pat across the road. And she said, I oh, was Anthony here. She said, oh, well, I'm not supposed to know, you know, like, and, and yeah, so I was, yeah, and it, I think one of the really sad things in my life is that, not sad things in my life, listen to me, but I, you know, I used to come down and see her all the time, but then, um, you know, she ended up in a, a kind of old people's home. It was really hard for me to get to it. And um, one of my things, I've been trying like just so many times to find out where she's buried mm -hmm. so I can go and, you know, like hang out with her again, like in a way, but I just can't find it out, man. Like it's, it's really weird. It's almost like she never existed. It's like, you know, um, she just got lost in the, um, you know, that kind of system, I suppose. And I, I just have never known to track her down, you know, like. And she didn't so, have but, family, did she, that? No, she was, uh, she was a, uh, well, I, no, she was a single yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she called herself a spinster, like, she was yeah. a single woman. 
that's the kind of person she was you know she was just like just a really good strong old you know old woman like and uh she uh yeah she kind of beat her own path really like you know and but it must have been nice you must have been sort of like uh a, a child a son to her or something yeah definitely yeah. yeah yeah she called me a little little thomas little Anthony thomas like you know that was uh and it's funny because I, I, you know, I said I was saying about clearing everything out the other day. I had, a, I found a couple of cards that she sent me when I was a kid, and I kept those, like, you know, because they, they're just like, um, you know, it's just a connection back to, her, like, you know. But, um, yeah. but like you said, it's true what you said. Even though I've got the cards, it's, you know, these people they're, they're, they're part of who you are. Like, you know, you don't, you don't really need physical things to, you know. I'm sitting here talking to you about her now, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I can remember so many times talking to her about different things at a really young age and a lot of people don't really have those kind of memories from that age like you know of you know but I really have I have really have with her like you know so I'm not glad for that like. and you know one of the things that myself and Carol decided to do on the podcast and we've only done um well actually I've only put my mom up so far and I want to interview a few more people who are beyond midlife um yeah uh, over over 70 or whatever because you know if we don't watch the way at least western world is and hopefully maybe we'll come back to it again is we're going to lose touch with the older generation you know and uh I just really want I just the thought of not having their stories or their wisdom to pass on in some ways is just, you know, I, I yeah. just can't bear that. Because I was raised by my grandmother. And uh, so I was, I suppose, I was a bit like yourself, a small child uh, with with my granny. Well, it was a lot of a bigger age difference, but my, my granny was 42 when I was born. So she wasn't yeah. really that old, you know. Yeah. She, she was always old. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, still in all, I had this older person raising me for 10 years. And there is something just special. There's something different to having, you know, that your mother, that, you know, your parents are raising you as well, but something different to having an older person. They're that remove but I, I can't even explain it actually can't even put it into words no it's a, it's a difficult one but I think it's I think you, you touched on something there with it though it's that um it's so you have like your parents perspective but then you've got this whole other perspective and uh and I think it's I think you know it's just good being exposed to that kind of thing when you're young you know like it, it, it really kind of carves you out as a person like you know and um and like I've always enjoyed the company of of, of uh, older people. Like, yeah. just do you know? Like, I just do. I find them really interesting. You know, I'm going to be one myself soon enough. Like, and you know, and and I I do. I really do. I love the stories. I love um, like I I, I heard a great story once about um, this uh, woman who's uh, she was married to uh, like a pastor. You know, like a church guy. Like, um, and they lived this really kind of you know very religious proper life and um and you know he lived until he was like in his mid-70s and they were in a very small parish all the time and it was very you know kind of posh and all that and uh and when when um when he died I, th- I imagine they probably got married pretty young like you know and when he died she um 
she swing off like trying every drug that she could like was, oh yeah straight up like you know she was like doing she tried tripping heroin like everything you know like oh yeah yeah this, this she really it. And I, went out. oh she went for it like you know and um and uh i had another a really good friend of mine his nan did the same thing you know she 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 started getting into it all when she was in her like mid mid 70s like you know and um and he said, oh, she think that nothing of having a bit of heroin for in the evening after dinner. And I'd be like, really? And he'd go, yeah. He said, it's just like, you know, and you just sort of go, what's your fair play to them? Like, do you know what I mean? They're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're giving, I'm not, I'm not condoning that anyone takes heroin, by the way, but like, no, you know, no, we're think, not. No, but like my brother, my, my, my brother said to me there recently, I was talking to him and he goes, he goes, the only reason I want to hit my seventies, he said, I want to start smoking again. <laughs> he said, he said, well, he said, one shit, you're 70, she's like, give a shit, like, you know, so, and I thought, uh, that, that really made me laugh, like, you know, I said, oh, do you really miss smoking that much? He said, I, I miss it every day, like, you know, he goes, he said, as soon as I hit, like, early 70s, he said, I'm, I'm back on it again, I'm back on Marlboro's every day, like, you know. <laughs> Oh my God! You see, this is why we have to interview uh, older, much yeah. older people than us. Yeah, they've <laughs> got and, stories, right? Like, and, yeah, and it's exactly. But you, that this is it, and we're in midlife, so this is a stepping stone to the next thing. And of course, no, we do not condone taking it. <laughs> but it no. is a funny story. You know, it, was, no, it was. It really tickled oh me. Bit, well, I love anything that like really expands your view of something. Like so. Yeah. I, like, I would never, I could never imagine, like, someone of that age, up until that point, I could never imagine someone of that age doing that. And then yes. so when I heard the story, I was like, that's brilliant, like, because it's, <laughs> it's a whole other thing that you don't know about that people are doing. And, you know, and, and I got it. I totally got it. Like, you know, that she obviously had this very kind of, you know, proper life from a very young age, but she probably, you know, she sounded like a really great person. But then she just sort of went, well, you know, I can. So I couldn't do it then, but I can do it now. And <laughs> so what if I'm 75, like, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. I thought, yeah, well, yeah, so what? Like, you know. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is, like, here I am a bit older than you. I'm in my late 50s. You're in your early 50s. Mm. But we're both in our 50s. Mm. And, like, I, you said you sometimes feel like, or you do feel younger. I actually don't feel like I'm much over my early 30s inside. I still feel like th that age. On some days, okay, I'm stiff getting out of the bed or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after a walk around for an hour, I'm, I'm grand. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But, but I actually don't feel old because... You know, it's only the body that depends what you believe, but it is only the body that's aging. And everything yeah. else, in some ways, it's like your soul can nearly, or spirit or whatever you want to call it, um, actually, the, the happier you get as you get older or the more content, let's say, uh, the more it sort of expands and gets more buoyed up. So there's a strange thing of feeling younger at times, Yes, and yeah. Even when you were young, you know, I feel I'd certainly rather be in the space I'm in now than when I was in my 20s, even though I had a rip-roaring great time in yeah, my 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, well, yeah. Do, do, do what's really interesting about that is I was thinking about it a moment ago is you you do look amazing for you, right? You don't, you don't, you definitely don't look like you're in your late 50s and you never have done. You've always belied the age that you are as long as I've known you, like, you know, 
Oh, and, oh and I think for me as well is like if I I wonder if I'd be having a different experience now if I was you know like if I was going bald or um if I if I had like really white gray hair and would would I feel different about it like you know and and and, and I, I I wonder that as well as if am I having this experience of it because you know I've I haven't got that many lines on my face and I've I've my hair I've still got all my hair and and I and you're, you you you'd be like that as well you you're very young looking like you know and it's I wonder if we'd be having a different experience if we didn't I know I know the body is only a physical thing but I yeah, wonder if yeah. it does feed into it a little bit yeah you know what I mean Jill like you know. I do know what you mean because yeah. um if you look after your body and I mean you can't be looking after 24 is it's just yeah. impossible but if you have done a certain amount of things like you were saying craniosacral and acupuncture or yeah. whatever it is and you're vegan and not that you have to be vegan either by the way mm. to our audience to be exactly um, you know healthy um but uh you, you know it does pay off I, I tell you i had an experience on my 39th year about three or four months before my 40th birthday I just did a massive detox. I did a three month full on detox, really, really full on one. I know right. you've done detoxes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was, uh, a, a, anyway, it was a detox, um, the biggest one I'd ever did, done at that stage or did since. And uh, I got a real big insight then into what, what, what I eat makes a difference to the state of my mind. And uh, right. I, I never knew that before, even though I'd done other detoxes and eaten yeah. and always tried different ways of eating. Um, so what, what, where am I going with this? I've just sort of like you earlier, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but, but you do need to, to look after the, you know, your health in whatever way suits you to look at, a person suits them to look after their health to make you feel better and in doing that then I suppose you you look better and you stay a bit younger and yes there's obviously genes on your part from your parents and there's certainly genes from my mom as well yeah um, um my father was Indian so there's other genes there but but yeah it does uh I think that it definitely does make a difference how you look and how you feel and if you don't age as quickly as to how you might yeah. respond to life. I mean, my hair is quite grey, uh, but it's it's sort of, well, it's not dyed at the moment by the top part, which is very yeah. grey, but that's only to even it out. I just decided to let it go grey last year. Yeah. And uh, I, I was surprised I was much more dark, but... Had I more grey, I don't know what I'd feel about it. I, I've been in betwixt and between uh, around that thing of going grey or not. Yeah, myself I know. Yeah, grey, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, no, certainly uh, it definitely helps to make you feel better to look younger as well. You know, yeah, even though yeah, I peer I think... into the mirror, stretching up my mind, stretching up my eyes <laughs> yeah. every single day. Yeah. But end up, you know, I just got to stop that, you know. I actually, I, that's another thing that I just lost in my, um, 
I used to be quite self-conscious about the way I looked. Um, you know, like I, 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 to the point of distraction, like, you know, and that's just, that's just gone. Like, it's just, yeah. you know, I, I really, I rarely would look in a mirror now or, you know, like, I just don't, I just don't, I, I, uh, that's great, Anthony. I don't that know why. Really I don't. I don't. Really I, I, I don't. I don't know why. Just um, it's just something that stopped. Like about, you know, maybe seven or eight years ago. Like I just went. I don't know. Yeah. Not, no, that, that that's really great. Yeah, because it was just. I found it was just like eating into a lot of my time and my thought and um and I just didn't want to. Yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why I stopped, but I'm really glad it did. Yeah. Because um, I like I, I don't, yeah, I just don't. It's not. I don't mean I've, I. I don't mean like I, when I say I don't care. I mean I. I you know I, I want to look kind of smart or you know whatever it is like, but I just don't. I, I suppose I don't really care what people think about me now, like or what if yeah. people want to make a judgment on me. That's totally. That's totally up to them. I can't. I've got no control over that at all. Like you know and. Um, and that's, I suppose that's the, the big difference, like, you know. That's, a, that is a really, really good place to get to. And yeah. uh, it really is. Um, well done on getting to that place. Well, it wasn't, it, was, it, was, it wasn't by design, I tell you, like, I'm just, no. it was just, a, it was just a happy, a happy thing that happened, like, that you know. And, and part of it. Well, you yeah. don't have a, I cannot see a wrinkle on your face. It's amazing. It really it's is. It's weird. My old man was like that as well. It's crazy. Like, you know, he, um, he, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, he just, I don't know. It's, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, it's just uh, genes, like, you know, because his, his brothers were exactly the same. Um, my mum's an only child, so we've got nothing really to compare her to. But, but like she said, you know, she, I, was talk, I, was, I was talking to her on FaceTime the other day and I, I was just going, I said, Jesus, I said, you like um, Benjamin Button or something? Like, I said, you're just getting, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, you know, and, uh, and my brother's going, yeah, it's creepy. Isn't it? And I said, I know it is. Like, you know, she's, she's just like, she's just, That's you so know. Amazing. I said, yeah, yeah. I said the exact same thing to another friend the other night. You're like Benjamin Button. Yeah, it's <laughs> you true. Be a teenager if you don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's and lucky, actually, lucky. she is also someone with a great attitude to life as well. That particular right. friend, yeah, yeah, she's yeah, a yeah. Can, a bit like you. She's a can-do person. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a mix of genes and a mix of uh, attitude as well. Like, you know, a part, you know, an attitude, a can-do attitude. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. So you are uh, now vegan and you weren't always. Um, yeah. Were you vegetarian before vegan? Because uh, yeah, like my, my like wife a lot of is people. vegan. And yeah, so I wondered we, how you got to. Uh, now I know why you got to wanting to open your delicatessen, yeah. and that you were always into food. Uh, but I didn't know actually that you were vegan as well as as eating. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I like. I think a lot of people that eventually become vegan are vegetarian first. Like that seems to be the just from talking to customers and people that I know. Um, and I, th I think I went vegetarian about, God, I'm really crap at remembering dates and all that, like, but maybe like 12 years ago. 
I was always uncomfortable eating meat. I mean, like I'm a real, a real animal lover. Um, and I was always uncomfortable eating it. I, I never felt like, you know, that I never really utterly enjoyed it. Like, you know, it was more a case of, I was brought up in an Irish household, you know, meat was a big part of it. Milk was a big part of it, you know, cheese, all the rest of it. And I just took it as a thing that you did, you know, like, and uh, I, I, I suppose, oh God, I can't, you know what, Jill, I really wish there was something I could say to you where I thought, you know, like a light bulb moment with the vegetarian thing. But I do remember the vegan thing though. So I've been vegetarian for a good few years and I've got a little dog. Uh, I've got two dogs, Mal and Heidi. And Mal was sitting next to me on the couch. And I like, I love my dogs. Like they really are, they're part of our family. Like, you know, and um, so the, the he, and he's a real yoke, like, you know what I mean? He's a rescue dog, like, and he's, he's, he's pure cantankerous, like, you know, but he was, but he loves me, like, you know, so he's sitting next to me and I looked down at him and he's so gorgeous and just lovely. He's tiny, like, and I looked at him, I went, like, if I was really hungry, could, could I eat him, you know? And the answer was no. And that was it. I just went, I just can't eat animal products anymore. Like if I, you know, I just, I couldn't do it. I, I felt I was being like disingenuous towards my, my own, the, the animals that were in my life. Like, you know, and I know it sounds a bit, and I've heard people having a similar revelation as well with their pets. Like, you know, they, you know, I've heard other people saying the same sort of story and it was really true. Like it was just, just that moment where I just went, no, it's, it's just, it's for me, it was, um, just on a personal level, I just couldn't live with with uh, knowing that we were causing that my because eating food was causing suffering amongst animals. And like when even and I got married, um, we we got married when we were young. We kind of just got married, just the two of us. And then we had a uh, we had a kind of uh, a wedding blessing thing in Bridget's garden about um, oh my god. 10, 10 or 12 years ago, maybe. I can't, can't remember now the exact date, but but we actually had uh, a vegetarian meal there because we, we didn't want, we didn't want our wedding to be associated with something dying, you know, like, so that we could, you know, and that was really a, a big part of the journey for me as well. And, um, and yeah, I like, I really, I really like being vegan now. It's, uh, I feel like to be like, I suppose we've been real. I had, I've always had like real, it, like kind of food issues growing up, you know, and I found that becoming vegetarian and becoming vegan, ultimately becoming vegan was really taking, taking back control of the food that I ate, you know, like, and it, it helped me to kind of get rid of some of the, the bad kind of, pathologies that I had with food that you know that had been ingrained in me kind of growing up like you know and um and it was yeah so that yeah that that's that was really the the journey of it like you know and and like I've always been interested in cooking and vegan cooking presented a whole other challenge set of challenges and being really honest having done both I haven't done like meat cooking vegetarian cooking and vegan cooking vegan cooking is by far the most interesting cooking for me you know it's you have to really work at texture flavors consistency and you have to work hard to achieve it you know you have to be you have to be really 
thoughtful um you kind of have to know your shit like and you like uh, even in the deli now we did a straw poll there last year of the people that came in over a few days and like um only 60 percent of the customers at that time were, were even vegetarian like the other 40 percent weren't even vegetarian like so um my my challenge was to make food that everyone would like not just you know it's a place for vegans but it's a place really ultimately it was a place for everyone to come and get food you know and just to because I think what I found was uh, you know you hear a lot of people talking about like uh meat guilt you know so if uh, like I it, it used to make me kind of sad when I was talking to people I don't really tell people I'm a vegan like I'm telling you now and whoever's listening to this but it's not a thing I really tell people because I didn't. I never wanted to make people feel uncomfortable about their, you know, their food choices or anything because it's their own choice. I, I, I don't. I would never deign to tell anyone what they should or shouldn't eat. Like you know, but but what I found was quite a lot of the time, if people did find out I was vegan, they would say, "Oh, you know, I I, I do eat meat, but I don't eat a lot of it, and I do feel really bad eating it." And do you know, like it's it, it's kind of there in people, you know, the same as it was in me, you know, like and um and you know they and people go, "Oh, you know." I do have one day where I don't eat meat. And I say, well, that's great. Like, you know, good. That's brilliant. Do you know, like, and it's, like I said, it's just everyone's on their own journey and their own whatever, like, but um, I, for me, I mean, do you know, like, I'm not one of those sort of, um, I don't know what to say, like vegan fascists or something. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like that. I mean, it's a really big part of my life. And I suppose in some ways, I don't go on marches. I don't go on protests or anything like that. I, I'm not like outside, you know, chicken farms or anything. But I suppose in a way, opening the deli was my a form of my own activism. You know, mm. like that's my that's my 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 grand gesture. Like, do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, so that's yeah, that's basically it. Like, yeah. And I have not yet because you weren't long open before <clears throat> the, the pandemic hit. And so I actually haven't had anything from your deli. So I will, it's click and collect, isn't it? So mm. I will have to order something sometime, you know, because I'm sick of cooking for myself. I'm, yeah. I say I'm like a 99% vegeta- vegetarian. Yeah. Um, so, but vegan, it's not a big stretch to cook vegan. I mean, a lot no. of the stuff I cook actually ends up being is vegan, not yeah. because necessarily, oh, I think I'll cook a vegan uh, meal. I do for friends who are vegan, like yourselves. Yeah. You know that, like, if even was over, I'd be going, oh, okay, it has to be vegan. And a few yeah. other friends. Um, but it's not a big stretch. An awful lot of vegetarian cooking actually is vegan anyway yeah for sure yeah so. yeah yeah and, and like what well, the thing is it's it's like anything Joe. once you get into it like i i um i bought some uh i was gonna have some acupuncture there the other day so i bought linda up some uh we do these caramel peanut butter cookies and um so she she stabbed me up with all the needles and then she left me for like half an hour she came back in and she said oh my god she said one of those cookies she said i can't believe they're vegan like you know they're so buttery and I said, yeah, that's what I mean. I said, you just like, there's so many things you can make where you just don't need, you know, there's, mm-hmm. it says use butter, but if you replace that with, you know, kind of like oil or um, oil, a combination of like oil or something like soya milk, you can create the exact mm-hmm. same 
flavor, you know, yeah. flavor experience as if it's made with butter. And like that, that's what I'm fascinated about with vegan cooking is that you don't really have to, you don't, you don't have to use the animal products if you don't want to, like, you know, there's obviously there's some, you know, if you're gonna have a roast dinner, like, you know, if you're into like roast chicken, there's no way around it, like, but um, like we make, we, we I, I came up with these sort of my own recipes for making seitan, which is like, a, it's made from wheat gluten. And we do like five different, we do like barbecue, bull tea, pesto, sage and onion, Cajun flavors. Uh, I think that's the, the only ones we do. But like when you put it in a sandwich with salad and we make our own mayonnaise and our own coleslaw and everything, it's, you know, like, it's like eating a proper meat sandwich. Like, you know, it's, you're getting that, like, I, I purposely made it in such a way that it kind of mimicked meat, like properly mimicked meat, not like, you know, crappy sort of like rubbery sort of slices or something. It's, you know, there's a grain to it. It, it breaks apart like nicely, you know, it, it's, it's very easy to eat. And it's full of flavor, like, you know, and um, that's, they're the challenges that I really enjoyed with the, with the vegan cookies. I knew the obstacles when I was becoming even vegetarian, I knew the obstacles that I had to come out, get over mm. to, to do that. And I just wanted to make it, I wanted to make it easier for people, you know, like, so that they, there was a, there's a bit of a bridge between what they're eating now and what the, the, what their vegan diet would be you know so like I'm really like I'm really lardy man I love like wraps I love uh, burritos I love pies pasties you know like I do all that and and um like there's there's a couple that pick up pies for me now every week and they're they're trying to become not vegan but they're just trying to be more kind of mindful about what they eat if, if you know so and when I say that I don't mean necessarily like to do with the ethics of animal farming or anything. They're just trying to be more mindful in the sense that they're just not, they're, they're trying to get out of their rude, normal routine of eating, you know? So, and they they love the pasties, like, you know, but they're, they're meat eaters, like, you know, and they come and get them every single week, you know? And I love that, you know, I, I love it that they, they, they're, they're enjoying it and they're getting something from it, like, you know? And like, I, you know, I'd love it if every, I'd love it if there's like no animal farming, like, um, but I don't think that's really realistic. Like, it's really I hate not even saying that. Like, for another yeah. long while, but you know, yeah. every everything gets step by step. No, I agree, yeah. and I, I do. I I do believe in the incremental value of actions. Like, you know, so yeah. I like, you know, it, it might not happen in my lifetime, it might not happen in the next lifetime, but it is yeah. definitely, definitely, definitely yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Like, you know, it yeah. will, you know, there's, you know, there's been a definite tipping point with it. Yeah. And I'm just really happy to be a part of, of it. Animals really do suffer and they really suffer. And why, why, why should they suffer? I think, I mean, I am pretty much vegetarian, but yeah. Um, and there's a lot of flavor in vegetarian. That's I love yeah. vegetarian food and cooking because of the the flavors that you can get. Yeah. But like you have never been comfortable really eating meat. And when I go home to my mom, I, I'm not going to make my mom cook anything specially for me. So I do eat whatever she cooks. Yeah. And um, and she's 79 now, and she doesn't have the same energy to be doing 
different things mm. but, but like yeah no I can't see it as becoming a way of life going into the future or a way of eating and also I, I mean this is like going a little bit woo-woo here yeah, yeah. you know as our bodies uh, get lighter as we like I, I think that we will evolve as humans more and more and more and more um, and then the body gets lighter then the body doesn't need the same kind of food I mean I'm not saying people will become breatharians or whatever and mm. there are breatharians yeah I know. Um, yeah. but but I certainly find that I if, if I do eat meat now and again I do feel very heavy and I actually can't digest meat so well yeah it takes two or three days for it to go th- you know to for me to digest it fully and uh, so it doesn't actually suit me and I've got some kind of type of blood a negative blood type and apparently that suits right. more vegetarian but I, yeah. I, mean, I don't even know if that's if that's you know a thing or whatever but I do think we will evolve as humans and I'm talking I'm like looking at even a hundred years from now as opposed to, and like you said, not in your lifetime, you're even the next two lifetimes. um, It's probably the same thing. Well, Um, I think I'm I'm really fascinated with the idea of, um, I was was thinking about this recently and I thought, you know, uh, the thing about evolution is it's the, the, the increments of evolution are so minuscule that they're almost unobservable in your own lifetime. Like, so I often think of, you know, like when you, you know, they say, oh, we all lived in the sea and then we, we came out of the sea onto the land. But the mm-hmm. thing is, is that like, that all, everything that was living in the sea at the time didn't grow legs at the same time. Like, you know, one, one guy got a leg and everyone else went, Jesus, look at your man. Like, you know, look what's that sticking out from underneath from there. Like, you know, and that's, that, that's what I mean. That's, that's the way uh, uh, it, 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 it's, 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 it's unobservable. Mm-hmm. And, the thing is, is that I think for that reason alone, sometimes I, I've certainly felt like that. It's like you kind of, you, you want to abdicate yourself on the process. You just go, oh, geez, you know, like I'm never going to see any change. But the thing is, is that we are part of those increments. Like everything we do now will will echo into the future. Like that's, that's, that's the thing. And I, I don't mean, I don't want to get heavy about it or anything, but I do really believe that, that all the actions we do now, they, they will have a kind of, a place in in the future and I think um I like again that's I think you were saying this before we started that like food is really important to people you know like it's an, it's, it's an integral part of, of being alive you know and you know for that reason you should be able to enjoy it or get some satisfaction from it like and th- like I said that was really the the complete driving force behind what we what we're trying to do at the moment like it's just going yeah, you know, you can be vegan, but you can still like stuff your face with a big, lovely piece of cheesecake or a nice, you know, like something that you're going to really feel satisfied from eating because, you know, everyone has crappy days and that, like, you know, you just go, oh, I just want some, I want some sugar, man. Like, you know, I want a couple of cakes, I want to put on a box set. I want, I want, I want a, a pile of, a pile of sugar on the table. And I just want to like, just gore my way through it. Like, you know, and, and we're all entitled to that. Like, you know, but, uh, but you shouldn't, you should, everyone should be have access to that including vegans like you know so that's uh that's, yeah yeah you definitely need your comfort food days oh god sure. yeah yeah but that's what we say we say it's comfort food for everyone like you know that's that's yeah. the 
kind of that's, I back, saw that as well. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God, you're making me hungry talking. I know, I'm getting you. hungry now as well. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it's like yeah. getting late. Um, <laughs> but come here, Anthony. Um, that was great to hear that because I was very interested how you got to open uh, a vegan a vegan place. Yeah. Um, now, I, I think it's interesting that you grew up in Brixton and maybe we just have a couple of minutes like right. talking about what it was like growing up in Brixton because you grew up in it would have been the 70s yeah yeah we were right? Brixton you were born from late like, 60s so yeah. 70s and 80s you would have spent your 70s 70s and 80s growing up in Brixton and London I lived yeah. in London in the mid to late 80s for four yeah years and uh where about were you in london i was up in north london all oh, right yeah, yeah friends who lived in brixton mm. and uh we used to go down what was the place in brixton the brixton academy wasn't it oh yeah yeah one yeah, of the best venues in the world town. yeah oh, yeah my god i was there for a few gigs so yeah. just just tell us a little bit about uh because you are you're I you you're from Irish parents. For mm. um, your parents are actually from Ireland. Yeah. Went to London probably in the fifties or whatever. So yeah, yeah. First generation Irish. So it's always interesting to hear about how Irish Londoners identify. I've heard a number of people say, you know, oh God, am I Irish? Am I London? And you did refer to that earlier yeah. as well. So. Well, you have, so, well, first of all, we were really lucky growing up in Brixton because um, it's a real uh, kind of melting pot. Like, yeah, and we, we lived like slap bang in the middle of Brixton, right near the market. And uh, so we had like, literally, when you came out of our, there was, a, there was a eight flats in each block, there's four blocks and there's a little yard. And when you came out of the yard, the very first place on the corner was called the Continental Store. And it was run by these in, uh, an Indian family. And we used to go in there and all the women wore saris. And there was always, they always had like tons of, uh, like tons of joysticks burning around the, 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 the till, you know? So like every time you came out of your, your flat, you just like washed with the smell of, you know, just exotic smells and all they, a lot the, the 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 grocers in those times they would have um all of the stuff kind of a lot of their produce outside you know like in baskets on the front of the shop mm -hmm. um you know like salted cod fish and um really unusual vegetables from you know the caribbean or africa places like that and then we had um we had brixton market which was just again it was just full of like independent traders that uh everything from like, I mean, you know, like jellied eels through to, you know, like jerk chicken, um, you know, Cajun fish, that type of thing. Like there was just, it was just everything. And I was, I always felt really, I don't know, just really lucky growing up being exposed to all the different cultures that were around. And it made me feel like we were definitely a part of it because we were, um, it was weird being, it was weird being Irish in London at that time. I think, you know, in hindsight, because uh, because of the, the troubles in the north and the way it kind of like bled over into the UK, there was a lot of, and, and a lot of the comedians at the time, uh, they would think nothing about making like really terrible Irish jokes that weren't, that there was a maliciousness to them. It wasn't, um, it felt very political, you know, like rather than 
the humor that we were talking about earlier, you know, about like, um, and like, I think for me, it's probably the same experience of anyone growing up when you're when you're uh, the child of an immigrant family is, is that it's really hard to work out. It's like you have to wear two coats, you know, like, so, you know, when you're at home and you're in your private life, you're, it's the Irish thing. And then when you're at school, you have to try and be as English as you can. And that's really difficult. And uh, do you know what, to be honest with you, I found like, I, I suppose I was, I was really defensive growing up about my culture, like, you know, my Irish culture, because um, there was a, there was, you know, I hate really. I, I, I don't hate saying it, but there was a overall. There was a pretty poor attitude towards Irish people. I think in in England, like you know, and they were seen as like boozers, stupid, and all of it was just propaganda that from like the you know the mid nineteenth century. Um, you could there's a, you know I, as I got older, I, I kind of sought out kind of researching it. You know, I, I saw like periodicals and everything from um, you know the Victorian times, and it showed like Irish people living in like mud huts, like literally looking like things from another planet, like, you know, and these were taken as like literally true, like, you know, and it was just, a, it was a, it was a thing of, it was, it was a, you know, it was, the, it was the colonial way, like colonial propaganda, like, you know, and um, I think there was still, there was such a residue of that. And it's funny, a few years ago, I was reading a book called, um, the deluge i think it is and it's about um it was about germany between the 1920s and the 1940s and one of the things that really stuck with me about the when i read it was um that he talked about uh propaganda as a tool of 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 war or colonialism and he said the problem with propaganda is is that it's propaganda at the time with a mean as a means to an end you know like so we want to take over this territory, take over these people, take over these resources, means of production, whatever. But he said, what happens is, and he said, there's, there's no variation to this, he said it always happens is, propaganda starts getting quoted in academic papers. And then those academic papers get, started quote, get quoted by other academic papers. Mm -hmm. Then it ends up in the annals of history as a truth. So mm -hmm. something, so basically what he was saying was, was that if propaganda is a tool of war, like a gun or a, a tank or an army, then when you use it, what is done to correct it when the conflict finishes, you know, and, and it's the one thing where, you know, you can, you can uh, disarm an army, you can dismantle bombs, you can, you know, but you, it's really hard to dismantle propaganda. Like, and I really found that, um, uh, like my, my nan, uh, oh, I'll be careful what I say now, I suppose, like, but, uh, she worked in a, let's say she worked in the civil service, like, and um, if there was a, if anything happened in London, um, you know, with, uh, as a result of the conflict in, or in, in England as a result of the conflict in Northern Ireland, um, she would just be completely shunned at work, like, you know, and she was, she'd worked in this place for like over 40 years, like, and people would just like turn their back on her and not talk to her. Um, and, um, I heard other stories of uh, people that joined the police where they were people, you know, if you, if you were from an Irish family, they would stop talking when you came into the room, you know, that type of thing. And it's like, Irish people don't really talk about this stuff a lot, you know, because it's that thing of like, keep your head down, 
you know, and Irish people have done well in England, like for sure, you know, materially. Um, but I think uh, for me, I was just, I don't know, I suppose I was just aware of it growing up, you know, like, and uh, one of the things, one of the real things I wanted to do when I was growing up was move back to Ireland. Like I wanted my family to be back here. And I thought my job was to make that happen. Like, you know, and, and I did, you know, I moved to Dublin when I was um, about 19, 20. I lived there for a couple of years on and off. And then I moved back here in, like, I think it was like 94 or something. And I've pretty much been here ever since, like, you know, and I love it. I feel like this is my place. I, I never felt like London was my place. You know, I, I just didn't, um, I, I definitely feel like I belong more here. It's in my kind of my DNA to be here rather than to be over there, like, you know. But that, listen, I loved saying that I really did enjoy growing up in London. It was, we talked about this earlier. It was, uh, it was, it, it, it's, it's an amazing place to grow up when you're, when you're a kid, like, you know, for sure, like, you know. Um, and like my daughter lived over there for a while. She, you know, she, she went and lived in Brixton actually, like, you know, and uh, which I loved the idea of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, and I think as well, growing up, we saw, um, when I was living in Brixton, there was a, the sus lord come in so there was a lot of we, we were there just as the kind of everything was heating up for the brixton riots yeah. you know and we saw a lot of that like happening all the time around um where we lived uh even when we moved out my dad was a building contractor and he had a contract with lambeth council so even when we moved out into the home counties we still traveled into brixton to work like and we saw the way that people had to live and everything and it just it just wasn't right like you know it was uh, and we saw a lot of a lot of things we shouldn't have seen put it that way like you know and I and I totally I'm you know obviously not condoning writing or anything but I could really see how that kicked off that time like you know it was it was building up really building 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 like you know and it does, Anthony, and we don't really have time to go into it mm. uh, much as I would love to. We can talk about it after, though. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that um, th that rioting and all of that, you see that all over the world. I almost yeah. think that that is like another sort of tactic of war, which uh, propaganda is, and it's a form of mind control, um, mm. as far as I can see. But you see that all the time. I mean, if there's a tension building up in an area, and you don't know how that tension was created, okay, you don't mm. know. But like, for example, Northern Ireland, of course, it's going to break out into something, do you know, it's an expression of the energy. And it usually yeah. comes out through anger. You know, if you want to look at things, uh, energetically but I remember when I lived in London a part of me was like oh a bit afraid to go down to Brixton you know and it was all yeah, yeah. by that stage that was yeah. the mid 80s so there wasn't yeah. you know really anything that had been a bit earlier I think in time but it still was left with that of course we went down to the Brixton Academy um, mm. but you know and we love that but then there's loads of Irish people around going to all the gigs there as well yeah yeah so, yeah there was a huge there was a massive Irish community in Brixton it was, yeah. it was mostly Irish and West Indian in Brixton yeah and um like and it's a good mix actually funnily it enough it was a great mix like yeah it's culturally oh well. yeah like yeah. my friends growing up with that were, were, were I think I think everyone I hung out with growing up came from an immigrant family, whether it was Polish, mostly West Indian, mostly Irish. 
And, um, you know, on a personal level, again, it, a lot of people don't talk about this kind of thing, but we saw, we saw things happening against Irish families in England in the 70s where, you know, a special branch would just turn up at someone's door at night, kick the door in, turf the family out, toss the place, come out and walk away. And there was no warrants, no nothing like you know and that was that was that was the reality and I, I you know I don't want to make it like really political or anything but that was mm. the case you know and um it it was uh it was hard to see that and that happened to people that I knew you know like that that were friends of my parents and stuff like and it's you know it was a, it was a it was a tough reality like you know um so but anyway that's you know mm. No, I, I thought it's interesting. It's always interesting if someone has something, you know, like that, like that time in history to yeah. tell that story. I, I love it myself. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, gosh, Anthony, it's really been a great conversation, plus our one beforehand. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just a couple of quick last questions. Yeah. Uh, I mean... What, what are you most proud of? I would say, I know it's a bit of a like groan, like, but the thing I'm most proud of is probably my, my daughter and my marriage, you know, like I, they're the, they're the, uh, the things that are most important to me in my life. And um, yeah, they're the, they're the things I'm most proud of, like, you know, like that's sure, not I, a grown at all yeah that's I know yeah yeah that's, no I just I, I special. yeah it's it's um yeah no I am I'm really I'm really uh proud of it I'm really happy uh really content and um I think it's really hard I think I know from before I met my wife it's really hard to meet people um and trying to explain to my daughter what it's like when you meet the person that you know you're supposed to be with is it's it's actually really difficult to do it's almost impossible to translate that to someone because it's such a kind of relative thing but I like I, I you know I even I've been together over 25 years now and I can literally still remember the very first time I saw her like you know and the first kiss we had everything like you know it was just um yeah it's 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 because I think the I don't mean the world conspires against you finding someone but it's just it's quite difficult to 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 find someone that you really key into like you know and um so I feel yeah I feel really kind of uh really glad about that like and I'm, I'm the other thing I'm the proudest of for sure you know oh that's yeah. lovely yeah and actually I usually ask this question before that that one but what's been right. your biggest challenge Mm. Well, that's interesting. Um, God, I, I, do you know what? I, it's really hard to answer actually. Do I think um, I enjoy challenge? So I kind of, it's I kind just of like thinking that. Uh, yeah, I, you love a challenge. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of rush towards it. Like you know, so um, if it's not challenging, I'm not, I'm not really interested. Like you know. <laughs> yeah, I love so, the answer. I yeah, love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not. I'm not interested. If it doesn't, um, like, it's funny. I, I'll give you an example of uh, a few years ago. I think about three years ago, um, a friend of mine. You know the comedy festival they have in town there in the thing. So um, I was at a launch of something. Not nothing to do with the festival. It's a breast cancer awareness thing or something. 
and I, I, I met a guy there who runs a lot of the comedy gigs, you know, in the festival. And I was chatting away to him and he said, I said, oh, you know, you're looking forward to the festival. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be good. And I said, uh, what are you doing? He goes, oh, we're doing this great thing where um, we're getting comedians to talk about the, the worst breakup they had, you know. And I said, oh, I've got a story for you, man. So I, I was telling him this story about this girl. I won't mention her name, but um, she broke up with me because someone, she did a spirit, spirit channeling thing. And we've been together for like a year and a half, right? And she, she, this girl took her off into the woods, did a spirit channeling thing and said that she, in a previous life, she'd been the mother of Jesus and that I wasn't her Joseph. Like, so she came home and finished with me. Like literally dumped me. Like I was homeless. Like I was like, and I was going, this is, is this really how this is going to end? And she said, she said, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you're um, you're not my uh, you're not you're not my uh, you're not my Jesus, you know, like oh, you're my, you're not my Joseph, like you know. So anyway, I was telling him this story, and the next thing, he I got an email from him, and he put me on the bill for the with, the, with all these great stand up comedians, right? And even, I mean, I'll never forget, even sitting on the couch, went, oh my God, you're on the bill for this, um, this, this event. And I said, I'm not a comedian. So anyway, but, but being who I am, like, like, you know, like rushing towards the challenge, I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a go. And um, I, it was literally, I think it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done, Jill. And I've done a lot of stuff, but this was really, <laughs> I remember being in the Roisin and I, I, I was watching all the other comedians before and they were all out there with their notes and like practice their performance. I didn't have anything like, you know, and um, they were, the, so it was a competition and it was based on the winner it was on the crowd reaction at the end, you know, to who, who would win it. Like, so, and I remember I knew I was going on after this girl and she was brilliant, a brilliant, brilliant comedian. And the guy, the promoter was in front of me and I literally, I was just going to tap him on the shoulder and go, I, I, I'm out, I can't, I can't do it, like, you know. And anyway, I, I remember like walking up to the stage and that's all I remember. And I told this story, I didn't tell that story, but I told the story of another girl um, who, will I, will I tell you about her? Like, or have oh, I got go ahead. Well, this, <laughs> was, this, was, this was an interesting one, like, uh, so, <laughs> Um, I when years ago, you have I was younger. stitches anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, you like this. I won't, I actually, I probably won't tell this story right to the end. It's quite, uh, you know, but um, I met this girl. I, I moved into this house, and there's this girl there. She was really gorgeous. And I, you know, uh, uh, and there's a bunch of guys living there and everything. And I didn't know any of them. And I, anyway, one night I talked to one of the guys. I said, Oh, that girl, uh, Anne Marie, I said, I, I, she's, she's really gorgeous. And they went, Oh, look, man. Um, you know, we've all asked her out and she's just not interested. I don't, I don't, you know, we don't know what the score is. I said, oh, okay, grand. Anyway, she came home one night and we got talking and oh, uh, her nickname was Pooh, right? And I thought it was like Winnie the Pooh, like, you know. And um, anyway, she came home one night and we got, we got talking and, um, you know, we started having these like meeting up at night, you know, like two o'clock in the morning, just chatting all night. And obviously, you know, we had a connection like, and yeah, we ended up like kind of getting together and all the rest of it. And I was really amazed, you know, like, cause she was just, she was such a brilliant, brilliant character. Like, you know, she smoked these big cigars and drink brandy. And like, she was just, you know, she came from this really mega wealthy family in Australia, like, and she was just, she was a great, great person. But anyway, one day I said to her, oh, where did you get the nickname? You know, I said, is this something to do with like Winnie the Pooh or something? She went, no, she said, um, 
And it was really funny hearing this coming out of her mouth because she was just like this perfect creature. Like she said, oh no, no. She said, um, whenever I finish with a boy, if he's done me wrong, I, I poo in a jar and I send it to him. And she did it, and she 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 done one while we were going out. While I was going out with her, I didn't even know like some guy that had finished with her before. And it was and it was cross country. It was in Switzerland, like you know, she she, she, she yeah, she took a thumb for the jar and sent it to Switzerland, like. And I was like going, oh, I think I'm gonna have to like let this one go, man. Like you know, like and so that that was a story. That's the story I told. you told. Yeah, did yeah. You laugh. I, I I got a oh, laugh. I Actually, oh, went on, oh it went God. on. It, there was another element to it, but I won't really tell that now. Like, but um, <laughs> but she uh, but I, but I ended up winning the competition. Like, I couldn't believe it. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, it was insane. But like, that was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. It was oh my absolutely goodness. petrifying. I was only on stage for like ten minutes, ten maybe ten or fifteen minutes, and um, uh, and I've never done it since, but it's something I always wanted to do. You know, like I always wanted to have a go at doing stand up. So I thought, you know, everyone thinks they're like the funniest guy on, on the planet, like, you know. And uh, so I, it's just something to tick off the list, like, you know. And, um, but yeah, that, that I, I really, I, even though those challenges really make you feel sick and anxious and itchy and just like, you know, like you're coming out of your body, like, you know, they're, they're brilliant because they make you feel so good afterwards. Like, you know, when, when you've achieved it and got through it, it's yeah, just the yeah. best, uh, the best uh, feeling. But my life's been that all the way through. I just really, like I said, I've always just like run straight towards challenges. And yeah, I just, you know, really like them. Still doing it today, like, you know, so. That's amazing. Yeah. I wish I had a bit of that. It takes me ages to work my way up to facing a challenge and usually, it's at the last minute, but that's fantastic. Oh well, I think we're all guilty. I think we're all guilty of that a bit. Like you know, I, 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 I would be the same. You know, like I'm not. Um, but I, I know it's a bit of a cliche saying, but there's that. Someone told me this when I was really young. You know that thing about feel the fear and do it anyway. You know. I was just about to say yeah. there was a book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Yeah. And it is great. I remember you hearing know, that when I was really young, and it's yeah. it's so true. It's just yeah, you can't let you can't true. let that fear stop you doing things like because it's no. it's uh it, if 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 you're really anxious, then it's probably something really good for you. Like you know, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. no, gosh, that's classic. And you yeah, just yeah. give me a laugh, and hopefully, everyone <laughs> as well. Yeah. Well, my God, have you any words of wisdom for listeners? for the next generation not that they'll be listening to our podcast but words <laughs> of wisdom um i do you know what i realized this kind of recently is uh i think i said it to you as well is um just take the word fail out of your vocabulary like you know like i know it sounds a bit like you know uh preachy or something like but genuinely just take that word out of your vocabulary uh whether applying it to yourself or to other people and I'm really interested in the idea of like our agency as human beings, you know, that we, we live in a society where you can make choices and do the things that you want to do and just embrace it. Like, you know, and um, yeah, just like, just, yeah, that, that's, that's what I would say really. Like um, I've, I, I, like I'm having a really kind of pretty spectacular life and it has been from, like since I was like super young and 
it's just because I've, I've, uh, like I say, I've run towards challenges, um, and I've, yeah, I've just, I've used my agency, you know, like to kind of like either create opportunities or seek them out, and um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, I love it. It's just, like I said, it's, it's just very interesting, like you know, and um, I didn't want to. I always had this thing when I was young that I didn't want to be. Whenever it happens, like we all kind of shuffle off this uh, earth at some point, like, but I always, I always had this fear when I was, from when I was really young, I suppose I still have it in a way is that those last sort of few minutes, if you, if you know, if you know you're dying and you've got like a few minutes left, I just don't want to go, oh shit, I wish I'd done that thing. Oh, I wish, I just wish I'd taken that opportunity. Like, I just think that would be the worst feeling. I think, really think, that'd be the worst feeling to have. And I, that's kind of informed a lot of my choices as I've been growing up, like, you know, um, I'm not saying it's the right thing, but it's right for me, you know. Yeah, I was just thinking of the, what's the film that Demi Moore was in in the 90s, or maybe uh, fail is not an option. Failure is not an option or something, but maybe not, oh. no, that's not the same thing though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That take the word fail out, yeah, no, that, that's no, I, I Yeah, and it's funny, I uh, yeah, someone uh, who I really valued uh, taught me that actually, like, you know, um, that was very helpful to me and I, she, she, she commented that she said, you're using the word failure quite a lot. Like, you know, and I said, uh, yeah, she said, well, it's a redundant word. She said, you, you know, like it only has a negative connotation, like, and, um, so what's the point in, in having it? Like, you know, and, and it's true. It's just, uh, it's one of those things that can really hold you back. Like, you know, and like, you know, people go, oh, don't be afraid of failure, but like that, even that saying that is, isn't the right thing. It's just like, just do what you can do, you know, like, and just don't worry about what people think or um, if, you know, there's always people who say, oh, you know, maybe you shouldn't try that, take the safe path, whatever. But it just makes for a more interesting life, I think, if you just um, follow the things that you really want to do, you know, like that, that's, it's definitely has been for me, like mm -hmm. for sure, like, you know. Yeah. Oh no, that, that that's great. That's, that's just great. Yeah. I, I love that um i'll take it out of my vocabulary although as like i say as you get to um middle age you, you just go oh stop you can't keep putting yourself down and you just can't no. keep doing it you no, just for sure yeah at one point don't you, you yeah yeah no i i agree and i think that's what that was the real thing for me i just thought mm -hmm. and and i suppose there's probably other words and other phrases or phraseologies mm -hmm. that we use that are like that. I just can't think of one now, but I'm sure yeah. I use them all the time. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it, it's such a, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just not a great word. Like, you know, it, 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 um, and I think it restricts a lot of people and it puts fear in people, you know, like if you do like, mm -hmm. you know, fail at something like who, who are you failing? Like, you know, um, I, I never really worried about what my family thought about what I did or my friends. Um, like when I, the, my first proper job when I left school was I was working in a hairdresser's part time before I left school. And then when I got to 16, I couldn't wait to leave school. So I, I started as an apprentice hairdresser and I got like so much stick from my friends. Like, you know, they're like, oh, what are you doing that for? Like, you know, and of course, you know, the usual kind of like, crap that people say about men working in that kind of role mm. but I didn't care 
Like I, I was having the best time. I was earning way more money than all of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember being in a nightclub. I'll tell you this real quick. I remember being in a nightclub once and I was with a few of my friends and we met up with some other guys that they knew. And, you know, we were all talking about what we did and blah, blah, blah. And uh, one guy was like, what do you do? I said, I'm, I'm a hairdresser. And he was like, oh, what? You're a fucking hairdresser? And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, that's, uh, you know, what, are you gay? And I said, no, I said, I'm, I'm not gay. Like, you know, and he, he said, well, what do you want to do hairdressing for? I said, I'll show you why I do hairdressing. Like, and I went up to the bar. There was this really gorgeous girl at the bar. And I got talking to her. And I said, um, she said, uh, you know, we, you know, we like, what do you do? I said, I said uh, I'm a hairdresser. And invariably, the first question they would ask, what would you do with my hair? What would you do if you cut my hair? And I'd be like, oh my God. And, you, and you'd be at the bar, you'd be like picking the hair up, going, oh my God, you've got a great jawline. You know, like I do this, I do that. And, like, and then I went back and I was like, that's why, that's why hairdressing is great. Like, cause it's a, it was a, like, I, it, it meant I could just meet anyone. Chat up line. It was, it was, it was the Jill. It was like the Ferrari of chat up lines. Like, you know, it was, it was just a great connection you could have with someone straight away. And, um, and I, that wasn't why I did it. It was just a, it was a kind of output that just sort of happened. Like, you know, but I, I loved it. And it, it got me into so many great conversations with people that I would never have, never have normally had. So, you know, that's, uh, so sometimes it's good taking a bit of stick because you know you're 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 often living a better life than the people that are giving you the stick like you know so that's brilliant oh my yeah, god yeah, you yeah. have me in knots here <laughs> oh, you really do you have me in stitches um but oh Anthony this has just been uh, su- such a a fun conversation it really really yeah and I've really enjoyed it Jill and I'm sorry if I was rambling a bit or yeah, I've no, never come no. across this tra- I've never oh, done anything no, like this you're before a great so you know like no, yeah 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 not at all yeah. you're great you're great uh, you're just great at telling the story and that it's it's just okay, great thanks. yeah and uh so let tell people now if you live in Galway in the west of Ireland or if you come to visit Galway where yeah. can they find your uh, lovely uh vegan delicatessen so we're we're so the, the deli's based in the city it's on the corner of uh Newcastle Road and Presentation Road and um, it's a vegan deli, 100% vegan. Um, and we do uh, sweet, we do uh, cakes, buns, birthday cakes, celebration cakes, that type of thing. And we do a big lunch menu as well. Um, and we also have uh, at veganodeli.com, there's, uh, we have a postal bakery, so we can send stuff out all around Ireland. And um, we have a click and collect service. So if people want to order something, uh, for collection, you know, like a, a birthday cake or a, a bunch of buns or something, they can do that. And um, we, yeah, we reopened again a couple of weeks ago, and I'm delighted because one of the reasons I opened that shop was to meet, you know, like just to meet my customers, really, like you know. And we really do have like amazing customers, and I suppose in some ways they're like they're like a food tribe, you know, like it, or whether they're vegan or not, like you know, they're, they're we've all got the same goal. Anyone who comes through the door. I've got a goal that I want to feed people and their goal is that they want to eat it. Like, so, so that's, there's a great synergy. I genuinely mean that, like, you know, and we, we, one thing I love about, uh, like we've got really good reviews online and everything. And I, I love it that people always, they, they're always raving about the food, but they always say, you know, it's a really nice place to visit, you know, to have a bit of a chat, all the staff are really good. You know, we, we take time with the customers and, you know, and, and I think the thing, particularly with vegans that come to the shop, is um, they 
they were often just like gobsmacked when they're outside. Like we had two girls that came in today and they were just looking in the window going, there's too much stuff. Like, we don't know what to get. Like, you know, and this, this happens all the time. They go, we're vegans. We're not supposed to have a bloody choice. Like, you know, <laughs> I suppose like take this and eat it and be grateful for it. Like, you know, so, and I said, well, you know, like that's, that's the great thing about it. Like, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's us anyway. And we're gonna, yeah, we're just doing what we do really. Um, it's a small operation. Uh, it's family run. Uh, and we're like we're vegan founded like we were vegan right from the very beginning and it's run by vegans and um yeah that's basically it like you know and you have a website and facebook and uh, yeah we're on facebook instagram, instagram um and yeah the, the website is veganodeli.com and so um it's a yeah it's, it's a v-e-g-a-n-o deli.com yeah so it's just vegan with an o on the end it's the italian for okay. I, I named it after we went to this we went to Florence a few years ago and uh, it really surprised me because if Florence is great for vegan eating like it's there's exquisite eating places in, in, in that city and we went the first place we went to was called uh, Il Vegano and I had this beautiful kind of ravioli and I when I came out there I thought I, 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 I the plan was to open a deli at that point like you know and I said well I'm going to call it Vegano Deli if I, if I, you know, when I do get to open it, like, so that's, that's what inspired it. Like, so Vegano is, is the Italian for vegan, like, yeah. Oh, that's great. And you're still open uh, to click and collect anyway before, yeah. like, during the pandemic. When we yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Well, we're lucky because we, we were a family business. We, we were in the, I don't know, I, I can't tell you what the terms are. We were in the same bubble, if you know what I mean. So it was very safe to, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we the, where the shop is, it's lovely. It's on the corner. It's in a real sun trap. It gets sun all day. So yeah, yeah. people are really happy to be served outside. And, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. So we're open like Tuesday to Saturday at the moment from 12 to 3. Um, but we're going to we're gonna expand that out a little bit now in the, okay. as, as, as everything happens up a little bit more. Like, you know. Okay. That's yeah. great. And well done on keeping it going over the last oh, year. Oh, thanks. Well. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, lo I'm really loving it, man. I'm yeah, loving yeah. it. Really no, loving it. Like, you know, great. I feel really, really lucky. Like, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. stop. I can't wait to go and get something. Now. Yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> I'm down for a burrito. Oh, definitely. I didn't realize yeah. you did that much stuff. You yeah, see, yeah, yeah. We've got, yeah. We've, got big, we've got a big old menu now, but the burritos are really popular. Like, they're proper, okay. like, stop you and you stop you in your steps feed like you know yeah, they're, yeah. they're you know they're they're very popular like you know so, okay yeah. yum yum yeah. um okay well thank you again anthony no, thanks jill thank it's been great you. talking to you man uh thank you for listening to lady time uh today if you enjoyed this conversation and i'm sure you have as much as i have Please do share it with your friends and on your social media and listen up for the next episode coming soon. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.